the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. The wait is finally over. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is joining the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to episode 116 of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. We're just going to get right into this. Joining me today to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays is Hunter Surplus of Take 6 and the Take 6 podcast. Dude, you know how this works, right? You know how the behind the scenes for scheduling a podcast, you like to send out an agenda, keep people, you know, up to date for what we're going to talk about. Leave it to the Blue Jays to fuck that all up and throw a monkey wrench into our conversation. How are you feeling about Vlad coming up? Oh my God, I'm so happy. I've got a lot to celebrate today. I finished my uh, my exams for this semester. The done. Raptors, yeah, done. The Raptors, uh, you know, are on to the second round. We knew that was going to happen, and now Vlad is up. I had no idea this was going to happen. I was all fired up for him to be called up on Tuesday, and then when that didn't happen, you know, my my heart kind of broke a little bit. I, you know, we got to wait a little longer, but now that excitement is back up, my man. I'm I'm ecstatic. I don't know what to say. It's pretty well prepared by the Blue Jays, right? And I know um, there there were rumors out there that Vlad was going to be called up uh, last night against the Giants. We're recording this Wednesday evening after the conclusion of Game 2 against the Giants. Um, they There was rumors out there that they weren't going to call him up because of the Leafs. Uh, game 7 against the Bruins. First of all, I'm sorry about that, bro. But, um, yeah, yeah. I... Yeah. We don't need to talk. We don't need to talk about that. All right. All right. I, I it's don't all positivity. Know. Yeah. I don't know how much credibility I lend towards that. I know in some circles, they're probably saying that we would like to have all eyes on the Blue Jays for this occasion. Um, and maybe that's smart business. I don't know that the Blue Jays as an entire entity operate in that way. But regardless, um, a weekend series against Oakland, uh, a beatable team as the Blue Jays have proven already. Uh, without Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, you got the Raptors on Saturday for game one of round two. This is a packed weekend, and it sort of takes the sting out of that Leafs loss. I'm not a huge hockey fan, so I can't really say I feel your pain. But as you said, it's all positivity. Um, so you said you were anticipating him coming up on Tuesday against the Giants. Is that right? Yeah, well, just from all the rumors and stuff, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of all over Vlad coming up on Tuesday. I, from the get-go, I was kind of against him coming up on that Tuesday. And kind of for the things that you mentioned, when we found out that the Raptors were playing a, a potential, you know, series clinching game five and the Jays or the the Leafs, sorry, uh, playing their, their game seven against Boston, nobody would have been really at that Jays game. And, and like we saw with the Raptors game, there were some empty seats in that stadium for the for the Raptors game five, which is a little bit more important than a you know regular season game mid April when Vlad Jr. gets called up in in my opinion, and that was because of that game seven with the with the Leafs, and I think the exact same thing would have happened. I'm betting you that Rogers was kind of thinking, hey, listen, let's pull the strings here a little bit and and make sure that Vlad gets called up at a time where everybody in Toronto is going to be fixated on this Blue Jays team. So I get I get why they didn't call him up. It would have been nice. Obviously, it's nice for those, you know, non-Leaf fans, non-Raptors fans, the guys who only uh, you know, specify with the Jays. It would have been cool for them to kind of come in and see something happen with their team on a on a Tuesday night, but uh yeah, I don't know, man, like it's it's all speculation, right? Like every rumor that go, gets thrown around, you have no idea what's true. Yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of just pulling stuff out of their asses at some point just to just to get clicks and stuff. I don't disagree. I think that, you know, when you speculate about that, there might be some validity to that. But at the end of the day, um, it's sort of it, it's irrelevant, right? No one really cares because it didn't happen. So it's whatever. But I do think this is smart business for the Blue Jays to kick off a weekend series, um, especially at home. I was of the mind that this was going to happen in Oakland. I could have sworn that they were going to ease him into this and be like, let's not give you anything uh, to make you feel pressured. Let's not make you overwhelmed by the the lights and the cameras, even though if they did 
pull the string in Oakland, obviously there would be a lot of media attention just from you know Sportsnet in general. Um, and I'm sure people would fly out to Oakland for the occasion, but I don't think it would be nearly as heightened as it would be as it will be on uh, Friday evening in Toronto. But obviously they didn't do that. They are prioritizing having this be a nice little home welcome for Vlad. Um, I thought that the Blue Jays, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this too, I thought that they played this well in terms of waiting for as long as they did to bring him up. Um, This is a season that has had many ups and downs already. It's still only April, right? There's still a whole lot of baseball to play. But, you know, with with how they didn't uh, bring him up as soon as the service time clock rang up, Right, and they they played it well enough that a grievance probably won't get filed. Um, I think that they could have really fucked this up if they pulled a Chris Bryant, but they really played this off well. I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like they, you know, coming out of spring training, we all knew that Vlad had a minor injury, right? Like nothing that was gonna kind of alter his uh, development or anything like that, and pretty much all the noise that was coming up through that, you know, time where he was injured was, yeah, they might just milk this until that service time date comes up. And that passed and we're well-ish beyond that point. And they're looking at bringing him up and they said that, or at least it came out, I don't know if this is legit, but it came out that they wanted, they were aiming to bring him up for this uh, Tuesday night game anyways for San Francisco, basically as soon as, that injury occurred. And as soon as the rehab started and all that stuff. So, you know, it always varies, right? It's, it's never going to be a, a dead on with your, with your target and with your goal. I don't like, I think they played it well. Like you said, the grievance isn't going to get filed, hopefully, right? Like there would be, I think it's a bit of a stretch if any, anything does come out about that. And, and I don't think anything will. Um, it seems like Vlad is, is fairly, you know, on point with what this Jays team is doing with him. And and he likes where this Jays team is going and how they've handled all of his situations. And a lot of people around the league have enjoyed it. Obviously, there's those few people who are saying, no, just call him up right now, call him up right now. But I think they did a great job. I mean, it's it's never easy to handle a guy of this caliber at, you know, 20 years old. And and you've seen that with many different leagues, right? The NBA, Markel Fultz, his injuries and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, in hockey, sometimes there's guys who just don't pan out the way you want it to be. And it's all about managing them when they're young. And it's it's a good start to see that the, the Jays hopefully haven't, you know, screwed this part up of the, of the process. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I, I think that, in terms of his development, it wasn't hindered at all. Um, this is a guy that raked last year in Double A New Hampshire and a little bit of Triple A as well. Um, and even the handful of games that he played, I think it, I'm looking at the numbers now. He played seven games for Buffalo this season. Um, that's, I mean, his line is incredible. It's it's a slash line of 360, 429, 640, and an OPS of 1.069. That is ridiculous. It's just absolutely absurd. And today, um, from what I heard, uh, in, according to reports, rather, um, he was mashing the ball down in uh, in Buffalo. And I think that you know the Blue Jays were aware that the time is now. He doesn't have anything more to prove in AAA. Right, he's going to just. If anything, if you keep him down in AAA for a long period of time, that might hinder his development, right? Because he probably wouldn't be adequately prepared for the big leagues. You kind of want to get him up in April so he has a full season under his belt. Um, I think that they played this nicely, and my expectations for him coming into the season starting Friday, um, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, right? And I'm not saying he's a bust, right? It, it, this is probably closest to a sure thing that Blue Jays fans will ever experience, really, ever. Um, I don't think he's going to be a bust by any means. I kind of would love it if he hit the ground running and you know caught the world on fire. I just kind of want to ease that back a little bit because this still is a big league club against the Oakland A's, right? This is still a big league environment, and this is a kid in who's 20 years old. So I'm not sure that he won't feel overwhelmed by the moment for his first game. I don't know if you agree with that. 
So I, I agree with kind of scaling back expectations for at least, you know, this first series and his first couple series. But I'll tell you right now, he's going to show some flashes. There's going to be a moment in, you know, one of these games this weekend. If, you know, if he plays uh, the entire series, there's going to be one of these games or one or two at bats where you're going to, you're going to watch him. You know, he's going to hit a ball, even if it's just a line drive out, right? You're going to see it and you're going to be like, holy shit, this guy is going to be good. And then everyone's expectations are just going to shoot right through the roof again. And when, when you're talking about kind of like overwhelmed, I'm not a hundred percent sure that's going to impact him as much as, you know, you might be thinking and only because it's, and I know it's a very small sample size, but when he played those, um, you know, spring training games in Montreal, where there has been very big crowds all over Vlad and, and the excitement was essentially, you know, yeah, it's baseball's back in Montreal, but having Vlad Jr., a guy whose whose dad was loved as an expo, and then him hitting that that walk off home run. I'm not sure that the nerves are going to get to him. He's been around baseball his whole life. He's been around the excitement and and all that kind of stuff. But obviously, it's it's a different story when it comes to actually playing and just and just being around it. So, I I hope it won't affect him a whole lot, but. It's it's unnatural if it doesn't, right? If he's just ice cold and and nothing is affecting him at all, that might be a little scary. <laughs> if, yeah, if that's what happens. But yeah, like you said, expectations should be you know a little lower than I, what I think almost everybody in Toronto has for this guy. He's he's what twenty years old. He's not gonna he's not gonna come in and even if he does hit the ground running, it's gonna be it's going to be different than, you know, a guy like Mike Trout hitting the ground running, a guy who can do it all defensively and offensively, which, you know, it, it might be disappointing for some people if he if he does end up playing third or whatever middle infield or whatever they're going to put him as. He, you know, he might make an error or two. He's not the best defensive player and, you know, yeah, he's a good contact hitter, but it's like you said, it's it's the majors. Where would you hit him? Because right now we have Drury batting second at third base. You just think he just takes that spot over? No, I don't think. Uh, for me, what I like with you know with baseball is I, I would like a you know kind of a fast guy at number one, a contact guy number two, three, four, five should all be power hitters. And and the way that this team has uh, has done it in the past, and I know that it's a totally different manager, so this might just kind of you know be a useless thing for me to say but what they've done in the past is they've they've had power hitters two three four and then you know five and six are are more you know they're hitters they can hit for power at some point so maybe they do drop them right there in in the two spot but i would bet you they go three four five or something like that i think if they're gonna have him uh you know since they're having them come up on this on this friday game they're probably gonna bat him third and have him get going in that uh in that first inning of the game see i like so good as the leadoff right now the guy the guy is just he's yeah. doing really well there and it, it's funny because he was a minor league signing that people were just shitting all over in the offseason it's weird how things yeah. can change in the dime um i don't want to touch smoke because he is lighting it up at the number three 100%. spot yeah um Tellez is doing okay at the five spot if we're going to keep him right there um, it's that number four spot that Great Chuck has been hitting in. I don't know that I just want to thrust Vladdy in there, right? I, w- I would much rather just take out Drury at two and just sort of leave everything status quo. I think that when you put Vladdy as the number two hitter, you're gearing up Smoke for a, for better looks, or you're gearing up Vladdy for better looks because they know Smoke is coming up at, right after him. Yeah, and that that's fair. I think that would, like, either or, I, I think they're going to want him in that, first inning right away right off the bat just kind of get him throw him right into it you know how people kind of teach their kids how to swim by just throwing them in the water and they'll figure it out (laughs) so like what sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and uh i think that's probably what they're gonna do right they're just gonna throw him in right away and he'll get the the top half of the inning off his back and then that second half is when when it's really going to hit him and like you said Sogard's not going to move from the one spot I doubt it I'd be shocked if he moves from that one spot and then you know I think it's either two or three and two kind of I'm I'm leaning now more towards just replacing Drury there you kind of convinced me on that one so 
yeah, the two spot sounds good to me. Well, I, it's going to be interesting to see because as from what I'm seeing on Twitter, the game is almost sold out already. Apparently, tickets are flying off the shelves right now, and obviously this is what the Blue Jays want. Um, their attendance has been lackluster, and that's being generous. Um, so far this season, again, only a month in, there's plenty of time for things to change, but we had to have assumed that the ticket sales for this were going to be outrageous. Um, so to put a bow on this conversation, do you think that Friday night against Oakland will eclipse opening day in terms of attendance? So the attendance that was like the tickets that were sold were technically a sold out crowd, right? On opening day. Quote unquote. Quote, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Quote unquote. But apparently only like 25 to 30,000 showed up, which is way less than the whatever, 45,000, 50,000 that can fit in the Rogers Center. So yeah, I do think so. I think this is the most exciting thing for the Jays in, you know, basically since 2015, 16, where they had that really big run. Like I know it's only been you know, four years, three years, um, since all that excitement happened. But like, it feels like a really long time since this Jays team has had something really special, I guess. And that's what this Vlad guy is. He's, he's special. And a lot of the time through the summer, you're, you know, that's the sport that you have to follow. Like, obviously there's TFC, but they have their very specific crowd who, who really watches soccer. And this baseball is just people, hear about baseball time in the summer because if you throw on you know the radio if you throw on the sportsnet radio or tsn radio or whatever radio they're always going to mention the jays in the summer and that's 162 games that even if you just flip on the tv and you're trying to watch sports he he's going to be there right so there's something there's some sort of excitement and i think like even getting the recognition from the mlb and like people around baseball in general for a guy on the jays is kind of uncalled for right like I don't really remember the last time. Like, there's ba- it's like basically like Roy Halladay, yeah. Josh Donaldson when he won that MVP, and then like sometimes Bautista when he was going for 50 home runs a season. But like even then, that was downplayed. So like actually getting the intense engagement from not just Toronto fans, but like the entirety of the MLB and the entirety of the MLB community is something that's really adding to this excitement. So I do think that probably this series and and the next few series are going to be are, are going to be sold out unless, you know, something unless he goes like 0 for 15 in his in his first couple at bats and I'm knocking on wood here so yeah. <laughs> you threw it out there in the universe, man. So. I know. I know. <laughs> Talking into existence. Um all right, I know I said let's put a bow on this, but I kind of don't want to. I kind of want to ask you this. Do you think <laughs> do you think he is a mainstay at third base? Like Brandon Drury's been okay. I remember in spring training, he was very hot and lighting it up. And I was like, wow, this is going to be the guy that it gives the the front office the perfect excuse not to call it Vlad because they have a guy that's been performing quite well at the time that can, you know, sort of anchor that third base spot. And it's been rumored that they don't view Vlad as a long-term third base solution. Um, but when you have Justin Smoke for the year, unless he's traded in July, and even if he is, you have Roddy Telez, who's a natural first baseman, if not a natural DH. Um, I don't know that you can play him anywhere else. So do you think, at least for this season, he's a third base mainstay? Yeah, I'm going to have to because, like you said, like Smoke is such a good defensive first baseman. And you can't, like, having him as a DH is is just like rude to him. It's rude to baseball fans that like defense because he's he can lock down that first base spot. And, you know, like you said, Tellez is a natural first baseman, natural DH. I don't think they can really move him, especially with how hot he's been, you know, this past week and a bit, like you can't move Tellez from that DH spot. So I think that third base is kind of the only spot where he can fit. I know that last year and kind of when he was, when he was younger, they were talking about a little bit of shortstop action for him and middle infield, but as you know, as you've seen him and, and he's gotten bigger and, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't think he'll be able to move around like a middle infielder uh, should be able to do, especially, you know, in a in a fast paced game where there's a lot of shifts. You got to you got to make a lot of hard, tough running plays. Um, I think third base is probably where he fits best. I don't know. I think there's probably going to be some defensive lapses 
over the course of this season. And, and I hope there's not, I hope he is, you know, defensively ready for the, for the majors, but I don't know if, if I were them, I'd probably throw him up as, as a DH if they didn't have Telez and, and smoke just right away, just to make sure his bat gets acclimated and then work on his defense in the, in practices and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like third base is, is where you're going to see him for probably the rest of the season, unless they trade Smoke and or Tellez. Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade Tellez. I think they like the to have him as a as at least a DH uh, future, uh, uh, you know, member of the roster. Um, 100%. Yeah, yeah, I do think that he's going to be seeing a lot of time at third. I think long term it'd be ill advised for the Blue Jays to do that, only because you know this is turf. Right, and I know people don't like to talk about turf, and Toronto Blue Jays fans are very sensitive when it gets brought up. Like they like to convince themselves that it's not that big of a deal, but it sort of is, right? It's not uh, something that your body can just automatically adjust to and acclimate to, and you know it does take a toll. Like we, Josh Donaldson is notorious for having these calf issues ever since joining the Blue Jays. I don't know if that means. Like it's it's directly correlated. It might just be anecdotal, but you do see guys like Tulowitzki who sort of broke down maybe quicker than he probably would have anywhere else. You see guys like Reyes who broke down and who has vocalized um, the turf being an issue. Same thing with Brett Laurie. Um, these are you know players who played on the left side of the diamond that have had issues. So I think the Blue Jays would be wise to sort of eliminate that equation from Vlad long term. I don't see an issue with it this year. He's still young. Um, His body can probably adjust to it quicker than the aforementioned players because they were on the older side. So I don't see this being an issue, but long term, they might want to think about putting him at first. Yeah, I I have been on that train for, you know, basically since they were talking about him because his defense hasn't been up to par with what a third baseman should be. You're seeing guys like Arenado, be defensive geniuses they're making their money defensively and offensively and Vlad isn't going to be up to par with those superstar level guys and if they're going to want and and I'm talking about the Jays here if they're going to want him to make that noise as a you know quote-unquote superstar I think he's going to have to kind of make his name only offensively and then have a few of those nasty plays over at first base but I, I don't know, man. I, I hate trading players because it, you know, it makes me sad, but like seeing smoke go would be would be horrible. It's gonna be difficult to see, but at the same time, it's time to let go. It's time to move on and and embrace this new uh new youth movement that's coming up because man, just thinking about the aspect of say like Vlad, Bo, Cavan, and Tellez as your as your infield that's just to me that screams ridiculous yeah, it's nuts yeah and then you have in the outfield you'll have like alfred uh Grichuk, and i guess tay oscar if he can if he can continue hitting well um i i think you could do a lot worse and i think jansen behind the plate man that's that's nice dude i i know it doesn't scream championship caliber because we're not seeing it in front of us but that's a, at least in the infield side that is a boatload of talent yeah, can we just sim the next season and a half or something and just <laughs> just get to all these guys? <laughs> this is the Overtime Podcast Network. Uh, all right, well let's 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 talk about let's wrap that up with Vlad. Let's talk about the uh, the current season that we're in before we simulate anything. <laughs> um, Blue Jays are coming off a pretty hot weekend, uh, but not without some major hiccups. We haven't even talked about injuries yet, and they're popping up at a pretty alarming rate. Um, this will probably lead the front office to make some pretty difficult decisions. That being said, the team is currently 11-14 after dropping two against the Giants. As I mentioned, one of them today. We are recording this Wednesday evening. Dropped them at home, and they are heading into a homestand, as we mentioned, against the A's over the weekend. Look, we're about one month into the season. There was a moment where the Blue Jays were one game to 500. Now they're three below. How do you feel about this team? I think, to me at least, they're a little bit better than I expected, to be completely honest with you. They have a run differential of, of plus two as of right now, which is, you know, at this point in the season, I thought it was going to be much, much worse. They're ahead of the Boston Red Sox. You know, that's all that really that's all that really <laughs> matters <laughs> with this whole season. So, I mean, 
we knew that there was going to be hiccups. We knew that there was probably going to be injuries. I don't think we thought that it was going to be uh, an ACL tail tear from a, a guy like Matt Shoemaker, but it is. That's that's kind of what happened. And then obviously uh, Sanchez's uh, hopefully not that bad finger. Um, but I mean, they they could be doing a lot worse. And I was kind of harping on this very heavily uh, just before the season started was that I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, maybe they lost 100 games this year, but it's not looking like that's going to be the case. It's looking like, I mean, 25 games into the season, it's hard to to really tell, but it's looking like they can make a push for a wild card or Ooh. if they make the right <laughs> trades at the at the deadline. It's looking like they might make a push for the wild card. They've been looking that good at points to me. And I know that I know that's like pretty wild to say, as you can see from your reaction, but like, I'm not hating. I wouldn't be surprised. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised by, you know, by by September-ish if they're making decisions to maybe push for that wild card position. I don't think they will, but, you know, it'd be nice to see. I would love to see that. It's just that I, I don't see this, uh, the the weakness of uh, of Boston and New York withstanding, right? And especially like Tampa Bay is a pretty solid ball club. So I, I just don't know that I can see the Blue Jays surpassing all these teams steadily and going into the to the to the trade deadline wanting to make a push because you're going to if you want to make a push and acquire players to really you know push you towards even the first wild card spot you're going to need to give up some goods and I'm not sure the Blue Jays front office are comfortable giving up any future pieces at this point. Yeah, no, I don't think I don't think they will make that that push, but I think that it will be an option that people will will be talking about and that these guys who are still relishing in the past of 15 16 um who might make the argument to say, "Hey, yeah, you might as well get rid of a guy um you know who who hasn't even played an MLB game yet and and try to get someone and try to maybe make this push, get Vlad some playoff experience really early even if it's only one game." Um I, yeah, like I think the Rays are probably going to come back down to the mean. They've been really good, but I think they'll probably regress to the mean. I think the Red Sox are going to fly back up to a much better position than fourth in the in the AL East, and the Yankees hopefully, well, not hopefully, but I think that they're probably going to you know, get past some of these injuries and, and start doing better than they have been. Well, let's talk about what the Blue Jays, uh, some of their bright spots here. And I think uh, the the main bright spot, you know, Vlad notwithstanding, has been Justin Smoke. And we've mentioned that he's been he's been pretty decent for the Blue Jays and a guy that's been on the team for quite a bit. So there's some familiarity with them, uh, with uh, Jays fans that have popped on in 2015. Um, today's game notwithstanding, he's been pretty fire at the plate. In fact, over the past 10 games, his batting average is 412. OBP 535, slugging 735, OPS of 1.270. Three home runs over 10 games, 14 hits. The guy, eight strikeouts. This is ridiculous for him. Um, do you think that this is sustainable for Justin Smoke? Because remember, the dude's still like, I'm not saying he's he's old, but in terms of the youth movement that's coming up and that we're preparing for, he is on the older side the last year of his contract here, this is a contract year for him, so that screams Blue Jays will probably move him in July. Um, so do you think this is something that he can keep up and you know really remain hot at the plate, or do you think mm, this is Justin Smoke? Probably come May, he's going to like regress just a little bit. Well, I mean, we did see a really good consistent year from smoke in 2017 when he had you know 38 home runs 90 rbis and you know he's not necessarily on that pace quite yet but he's performing at that same sort of level like you said in that in these past 10 games where he can maybe be seen as that guy who can hit you know 40 home runs uh, in a season and and he has the power to do so it's just whether his uh, his bat is consistent and whether his, you know, actual making contact is consistent with his power. And because, because you, any ball that you pitch to Justin smoke in the strike zone can be a home run. It can yep. be, it can be a double, you know, cause this guy hits the ball very hard. But like I said, it's all about whether he's making contact and I don't know, maybe he's gonna, you know, if he falls into a slump, we've seen Justin smoke in, in many a slump, 
And if he falls into one slump that, you know, maybe one game he goes over three, he goes over eight in a series or whatever it might be, he might start turning some heads and he might start turning back into the Justin Smoke that us Jays fans know and love. And <laughs> that will, but like you said, a contract year, right? A lot of these guys, same thing happens in the NBA. When it's a contract year, a lot of these guys perform. They trained really hard in the offseason. They trained really hard um, coming into into practices and all this kind of stuff. And they're able to turn that corner just a little bit and get just that much better so that they can make that extra, you know, X amount of, of millions of dollars in in their next contract. And I don't know. I would like to see Smoke continue this up. And if that's because we get a better player in free agent or not free agency in a in a trade at the deadline then, you know, that's better for us. That's probably better for the Jays. And Justin Smoke will make a little bit more money, which is always nice to see with a, uh, by then, probably former Jays player. Yeah, the dude's 32 right now. Um, He's obviously not going to be part of the Blue Jays' long-term plans. I think that when you had the ability to bring him back, I want to say it was an $8 million option for the Blue Jays. sort of a no-brainer, especially with this regime that's pretty frugal with the money. Um. I think that having a guy like Tellez on this team, spelling him at first and giving Smoke some time at DEH so he can still to, uh, continue to get those at-bats in would do him quite well in terms of his longevity um, and maybe not concentrate so much on slumping or whatever if there were to be one. Like He can just continue to concentrate just on hitting. Um, I think that's beneficial for him. Um, and it's also beneficial for the Jays because, as we mentioned, if they if they do decide to pull a trig- the trigger and trade him at the deadline, it gives Tellez some time at first base to sort of acclimate himself there to say, hey, this is where we're perceiving to put you for the future until you prove us otherwise, uh, and you need to get those reps in. So I think this is sort of like a, a give-and-take aspect for the Blue Jays and Justin Smoke. I don't think he's blind to what's going on around here. I think he knows as a veteran that there's probably a good chance that he's going to get shopped. Um, I think that, you know, if the Blue Jays were able to get a nice quality arm in return for Justin Smoke, I think that's a, a huge win for them. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Um, I do want to move on to today's game and yesterday uh kevin pillar made his emotional return to toronto to an extremely positive response along with a nice little tribute video you could see the emotional impact that it had on him as a former blue jay mainstay and a fan favorite to the point that it brought him and many in the crowd to tears what did you think of the tribute and what did you think to the response that the fans gave him uh i i enjoyed both i really think that the tribute was more for Kevin Pillar than it was for fans. And usually a lot of tribute videos are for the fans and for, you know, obviously it's, it's saying thank you to Kevin Pillar, but it's a, it's a bit of a ploy and, and saying, Hey, yeah, like we love Kevin Pillar, but this, this is an entertaining video for you. And I think this one was more of a legitimate thank you, Kevin Pillar. He spent all of his time in the majors so far with the Blue Jays. Um, the response I think was deserved, although Kevin Pillar wasn't the best player on the Blue Jays for the longest amount of time. He was, he was consistently good ish, right? Like he was consistently able to make those plays. There was every single, uh, off season, spring training, whatnot. There were, oh yeah, Kevin Pillar is going to get better. So I think it made, it made him seem a little bit better than he actually was, uh, in terms of you know offense and and obviously on the defensive end he was there and and I think that's why a lot of these fans loved him so much he always gave his 100% he always gave his all all those diving catches that are always on Instagram Twitter all over everywhere uh, when he makes them and you know I, it got him a little more beloved than a lot of players just because you saw how hard he was trying and how hard he was playing for for the team and the city and and the rest of his guys so I think it was a well-deserved standing ovation, a well-deserved emotional uh, moment for him. And he'll, you know, he he made an impact on on Toronto fans that uh, not many players have done. And 
you know, he's part of that big, uh, big fun run. People are always going to love guys who are on successful winning teams. It's fun that you uh, you mentioned that he was good-ish because you were really trying to uh, not shit all over him, but at the same time give him his due. And I, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> perhaps the greatest outfielder in the month of April that the Blue Jays ever had. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, after that, he just sort of slumped down and became, oh, yes, that's right. This is the Kevin Pillar that we know. Um, it's strange to me. Like, I, I understand that this was an emotional departure for him, right? I understand that this was something that, you know, moved him to tears when he was told that he was going to be traded because this is all he knew. And we all know the story. Like he, he, you could see the emotion bleed out of him. I get it, but you know, I'm not sure and call me cynical if you want. I'm not sure that Kevin Pillar had it not been like, for instance, let's say he finished out the year in Toronto, right? And finished out his time in Toronto and he decided to sign elsewhere. Is he still getting that tribute video? Yeah, I think, think so. so. I think so. And just because he he did mean so much to a lot of a lot of Jays fans with the whole the whole Superman uh, nickname and and the Superman mantra that was given to him. Uh, he like I said, good ish. You're saying he's the best guy in the month of April. <laughs> Um, Tongue which cheek, is, come on. Yeah, which is, which is very, you know, and none of that is wrong. And he did have some very good games and very bad games as a Blue Jay. But for the most part, fans loved him. And if anything, if he didn't stay, I think it would have been one of those tribute videos, like I said, for the fans rather than for Kevin Pillar, because so many people would be able to recognize a, you know, Kevin Pillar. There's, you know, sometimes when my mom goes to Jays games or she's watching the Jays game, she'll be like, oh, who's that guy on the on the field? Like, I don't know anyone except for Kevin Pillar. I don't know anyone yeah. except for, right? So I think that's why he would get it. He's one of the most recognizable faces uh, on the team. Uh, well, I mean, he was one of the most recognizable faces on the team. And he was able to, you know, perform on a very good Jays team when we did have that magic. I think if anyone from that Jays team was traded the way Kevin Pillar was and had been there for that long, they're getting the same tribute video. Even if he does leave, um, you know, those those guys who had been there for six, seven years um, and been a part of that really fantastic group of of guys who who were actually successful in a Jays uniform, they probably all get that tribute video just because it was so magical. It caught so many people by attention and and everybody in Toronto seemed to be watching those Jays games when they were when they were winning and Kevin Plar, you know, maybe not a a great part of that, he was a very recognizable part of that with his amazing catches and and defensive plays. You're right, man. Moms love Kevin Pillar. I don't understand it. Hey, him. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's man. what I'm saying. Great forearms. <laughs> Great beard, too. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, I do want to talk about the injury bug that has bitten uh, quite a bit of the key players on this team. Um, recently, Freddie Galvis missed some time with a leg injury. He missed, actually, today's game. I don't know when they expect him back, but they seem to think it's going to be sooner rather than later. You touched on Aaron Sanchez dealing with, apparently, and has been dealing with, uh, a fingernail issue that is negatively affecting his pitching. It was reported that he won't miss any time and he'll start on Saturday, but with this Blue Jays team, I'll believe that when I see it. Also, you mentioned Matt Shoemaker, who's he had an unbelievable start to the season, and he tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Really sad. Um, and Ryan Barucki was placed on the 60-day IL, won't be eligible to return until May 27th. With all of these injuries that the team is experiencing, how much of a blow do you consider this to be, and what does the front office do to mitigate this? So I think the the shoemaker injury is obviously the most devastating. He's the one who's out the longest, you know, the whole season. Um, that will be a tough role to fill in terms of the starting pitching because how good that he was, like how good he was at the beginning of the season. Like you mentioned, he was one of the best pitchers in the AL, um, and it's that's it's always hard to replace, right? And now that Sanchez has this fingernail issue and we know how Aaron Sanchez is when his finger's a little sore and how long that takes to recover. 
we don't know if he even will recover from this in in this season, right? Like like you said, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. So that'll be a tough um, tough position in this rotation to to fill because you're not going to be able to pick anyone up. You're not really going to be able to call anyone up who's going to have the same impact that Shoemaker had on this team, even if it was for only what four or five starts. Um, and then, you know, Galvis going down with an injury is, is, is tough to see because of how hot his start was and how good he has been, has been playing on the offensive side of the ball. And then obviously that spectacular, uh, catch with the, with no glove, um, it, you know, it's, it's tough to see, but that's, it's part of sports, right? Obviously one of the biggest things is, um, I think Chris Paul said this, you, you fall down seven times, you get up eight. I don't know if the Rap- uh, Raptors, I don't know if the Blue Jays are necessarily going to be able to do that with some of these players going down because of how, you know, they're kind of the more important players on the team. Galvis has been consistently the best hitter on the team. Shoemaker was the best pitcher on the team. Sanchez, uh, you know, he could miss 10 starts from this. You know, he could leave Saturday's game if he does pitch after three pitches and then be gone for 10 starts and, and, it's stuff that you can't really expect and what the team's going to do about it. I'm not, I'm not going to speak on that really because I, I don't know, right. I don't know how they want to play this. If they do want to make a, you know, if they do want to stay competitive and, and make, make uh pushes for a potential, you know, wild card position by September, then I don't know, maybe they make trades, but there to me, there's not a whole lot you can do, uh, with this team other than call guys up and who that is, it, you know, it could be anyone, I think. It's really unfortunate. You touched on it about Shoemaker, man. Like, this is a guy, I mentioned this on your show, like, he was the guy that I was penciled in as this is going to be the biggest surprise for the Blue Jays this year. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I loved his stuff coming in, and I was quoted as saying that it wouldn't surprise me if he was the best starter for this team all year. Um he had an ERA before going down of 1.57. Ridiculous. And a strikeout rate of 22%. It's really fucking good. And it's just really devastating that some freak injury for a pitcher, right? We had to deal with this with Marcus Stroman back in 2015. Like a, a, an unconventional injury for a pitcher had to happen to Matt Shoemaker and you could see how frustrated he was on the mound like slamming his hand on the mound because this is something that he's had to deal with not an ACL tear but just injuries in general trying to get you know his career back trying to bounce back Um, but you got to give him uh, credit for his heart and his determination with this team because I don't know if you noticed today but he's still walking out with the starting pitcher as a unit that's pretty pretty fucking ballsy yeah, and and there's been a lot of talk about whether you know this is going to be because I think he has an option next year, team option he next does. year. Yeah, um, whether we're going to see Shoemaker in a in a Jays uniform again, just because we've mentioned it a couple times the the youth movement that has come on with this team, and I think they have to keep him. And like you said, he has been a big part of this rotation, and he still is walking out, and he's still being a part of the team and contributing in the ways that he can that don't include actually pitching and, and being on the mound but you know with the start that he had you're gonna have to keep a guy like that around because if he can obviously an ACL tear it's it's hard to come back from no matter what sport you play uh I like it, and it's it was it's horrible to see because he's one of the from all all you can tell he's one of the nicest guys in in the league and his response after getting that injury in the kind of post-game scrum it was heartbreaking seeing him show so much emotion. And like you said, he's gone through so many different injuries and, and something where it's a non-contact play that, you know, you don't think should happen to a, to a guy because, you know, these guys are athletic specimens. They're freaks. They're, they're guys who made it to the show quote unquote for a reason, you know, it it just sucks to see. And he was a big part. He's going to be a big part of any rotation that he's on next year because he's definitely not going to be back this year. He's going to have to get healthy again in spring training and go through all the rehab and stuff. And yeah, the the team's in a in a worse position than they were obviously before that injury and and the replacement for Shoemaker I think is going to be the the biggest hole that they're going to have to fill, no doubt. 
<clears throat> Dallas Keigel. <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> like, Literally. why won't they pull the trigger on him? Why yeah. wouldn't they? I, he's asking for so much money, I think. And like, but then again, like, why are you going to sit out a year? Like that's why are you going to sit out a year of, of playing baseball? You know, if you're not getting the exact amount for the exact contract that you want, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense why they wouldn't. It's a Boris thing. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that if he's willing to prove himself on a one-year deal right now, that's something that the Blue Jays should take advantage of. I don't see that happening. I, I do see perhaps other teams scooping him up like the Mets need some help. Um, the Brewers just actually signed Gio Gonzalez today. He's rejoining the team. Um I think that would have been a nice landing spot for him too. But, you know, it, it it does suck that the Blue Jays are experiencing these pitching woes. We touched on Aaron Sanchez a little bit. Um, I am very skeptical when it comes to anything that has to do with Aaron, Aaron Sanchez's finger in general. I don't care what part of the finger it is. I don't care what hand it's on. Anytime I hear finger blank Aaron Sanchez, I'm freaking <laughs> out because history has shown that is not a good recipe. Like that is not going to be good for the longevity of the season. Um, I feel like, yes, they're planning on trotting him out there on Saturday. He probably will start, but how much of that do you think is out of necessity because Shoemaker went down? Well, I think like we've seen them be very cautious with, with Sanchez, but they don't take the caution until the second or third time that you know he has to get taken out of a game or that he has to miss a game here and there. I think they're very optimistic that he's going to be able to to make a a start here on Saturday because of the the day off that they have uh tomorrow and that will probably help him, you know, wrestle but they probably won't have him throw tomorrow. They'll they'll get him up and going on Friday and see how it's going, but like you said, it's it's all about, you know, skepticism. Every single Jays fan is skeptical about whether Aaron Sanchez is finger is going to be okay and i they say it's just his fingernail is broken but that with aaron sanchez can mean anything to me a broken fingernail means you know pain for five seconds and nothing you know and then it goes away right. maybe i put a band-aid on it just in case but with aaron sanchez it, it could be literally anything that will cause a blister and that yeah. will cause him to miss you know eight to ten starts and then and then there goes his season, right? Like all he wants to do is start 32 games for this team. All the Jays want Aaron Sanchez to do is start 32 games, pitch 200 innings, whatever it might be. And with the, I don't know what, I don't know if it's the same finger. I don't know if it's a different finger, but it's not, it's not a positive outlook that I have just like yourself that I have towards Aaron Sanchez's finger or fingernail or you know, clavicle, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever is going on with this guy's hand or upper body, I'm I'm kind of scared of. It's funny because heading into the season, I was of the opinion that Marcus Stroman effectively talked his way out of Toronto. And, you know, it, the comments that he made at spring training regarding a contract extension or lack thereof, uh, regarding the lack of leadership, veteran leadership on the team. Um, we don't have to rehash the whole thing, but I think that, I thought that uh, Strowman was pretty much like, writing's on the wall, bro. They're getting rid of you. You effectively talked your way out of here. Now, with Aaron Sanchez going through what he's going with, I don't know how much patience the Blue Jays have with him in terms of like his longevity. In other words, like, yes, the stuff is there. And I do think that, you know, in a vacuum or in a perfect world, assuming full health, Aaron Sanchez does have better stuff than Strowman. I think Sanchez's ceiling is ridiculously higher than Strowman's. But it seems as though Strowman is far more reliable in terms of health than Sanchez. So it makes you wonder, will this Jays team, if my uh, assumption was correct that Stroman would have been the one to go. Do they reevaluate this now and go with the bird in hand and say, you know what, Stroman, you know, his mouth may go off a little bit here and there, but at least he's reliable. Well, I'm not sure if either of these guys, and I, I do agree with how high, you know, Aaron Sanchez's ceiling is, but I don't think either of these guys realistically are going to be that number one ace for a a championship winning team, especially with the timeline that this Jays team is on. They're 
looking for a, you know, a quote unquote rebuild right now. And they're in a very good position to be a rebuilding team for the next few years where Aaron Sanchez is 26. I think Stroman is, he's either 25 or 27. I know there's a one year difference between the two. Um, and you know, by the time this team probably gets into full stride, it they might be 31 and 32 or, or 30 and 31, depending how long this rebuild takes. And that's not necessarily old for a pitcher, but if you're seeing injuries occur now, and I know they're not elbow injuries or, or shoulder injuries or knee injuries or anything like that, but if you're seeing injuries now and, and you don't think that Sanchez is going to be a reliable guy for the past three years, four years, mm-hmm. right? I think that, and I've said this, I've said this since the end of last season, that they should try to get rid of Sanchez while they can get value back for him because I don't think the value is going to last long. And it's not that his stuff isn't there. It's not that he's not a great pitcher. And it's not that he's not going to be a great pitcher. It's just that how consistent can his health be to a team that wants to win and to a team that wants to, to rebuild? Because rebuilding is... A lot of the time, it's a lot about consistency, right? It's a lot about having bringing back the same guys and and running back the same chemistry and the same you know uh, the same team, the same coaches, all this kind of stuff. And when a guy isn't playing, you know, maybe he's making he made six starts uh, or made sorry not six starts, he's made twenty starts last year and eight in twenty seventeen, and that's just not enough for a team that needs consistency and needs balance and needs organization to their locker room and to their, to their team in general. I don't know if Stroman is there yet either, because like you said, he likes to run his mouth. He likes to talk. He likes to do a lot of this stuff. He likes to be flashy. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best, uh, the best case for a rebuilding team either, right? That might not be the best formula to a, to a winning rebuilding team, but I would, make my bet on Stroman being maybe not the better pitcher in totality, but being the more consistent guy who will be able to help your team out more than Aaron Sanchez will, especially in a time where you need consistency and you need that stability. You need guys who really love the city, love to play for the team. I don't know if Sanchez is going to be that guy just because of the just because of the injury history and and the injuries that he might face in the short term, the long term, whatever it might be. But I've I've been in the boat where you get rid of Sanchez. He's not going to be, I don't think he'll be a number one guy. I think you can get rid of him and get really good value back because he, I think he still does have a higher upside than Stroman. It's just, you got to find the right team who wants, you know, either one of them really. I think that starting pitching, especially young starting pitching is so hard to find that you'll find a team that will take the risk on one of them. I don't know what the return would be for an Aaron Sanchez, given the the issues with his finger. It might be a little less than desired. Um, but I think if you're the Blue Jays right now, you test the waters on Saturday with him. Um, I'm going to be paying very close attention um, to see if Sanchez does look down at his hand a bunch. Because when you see that, you're sort of triggered automatically, like, no, this is not going well, something's up. Um, if he gets by without a hiccup and there's movement on his pitches, like we're familiar with Aaron Sanchez delivering, then I'm fine. And we can, you know, call this like, you know, just, just a hiccup and something that, you know, just we have PTSD because of the finger issues with Sanchez. Um, but I'm, I'm paying very close attention to this and I hope that the front office is as well, because this starting pitching was supposed to be the thing that cradles this team. Um, we're down the best starter of the year, you know, the short month of the year thus far. We need to have as many arms as we can get. Um, right now, the fifth starter spot, if you shift everyone down a spot, is empty. And I don't know what they do about that. I'm of the mindset that they should sign Dallas Keuchel, try to get him for a one-year deal. If not, I don't know that I want to see a Sean Reed Foley up here. I don't know if that I trust like a, a Waggis pack to be that fifth starter. Um, I certainly don't want Panone, and I certainly don't want be a genie in nope. that role. No. Yeah, so I don't know what you do. What do you do for the fifth starter spot at this point? Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. It's like, I don't know, right? Like, there's not a whole lot of good options, if any, really. Like, that sounds pretty bad to say when we are just kind of praising this team uh, a couple minutes ago there, but... Yeah, like I don't know where that fifth starter spot is going to come from. 
right? They don't have a whole lot of starting talent. We've seen Biagini in that starting role, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And there's there's a lot of these guys that, you know, yeah, maybe they can be starting pitchers, but how effective are they really going to be? And the fifth starter spot isn't the most crucial, obviously. There's a reason it's the the lowest number from one to five, but or I guess the highest number, but in you know, in terms of rotation, it's the lowest. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Um yeah. it, there's a reason it's it's the last ones. It's, it's there's a reason why they, you know, sometimes in, in crucial games, they're the ones who get get sat and you kind of, you know, if double pitch to say uh the number one, two, and three guys, but I don't know, like it it'll be tough to watch. I, I you mentioned Keichel. Are they going to do that? I doubt it. I don't think they're going to be willing to pay that kind of money for a guy, you know, presumably just for one year, um, for a team that isn't really in the the race for a a deep playoff run. But I mean, if if that's what they do, I'd be happy because I like seeing good pitching. I like seeing good good Jays teams. But like you said, I don't know what what the teams can do. May 27th is far, far away in terms of the baseball season, right? And that's the earliest Ryan Barucki can come back. Um, right now, they the Jays have shown that they're not afraid to pull triggers when it comes to a trade and to fill areas of need. Um, I know that like a Socrates Brito didn't really bolster the team as a return from the Pilar trade or needed at Henson, but, you know, that... that Trade was done for Juan DePaulo, right? That that was for some minor league depth in their pitching staff. We talked about Justin Smoke. Maybe now is the time that he's so hot right now that you make a trade for a starting arm and give up a Justin Smoke in return. I don't know if that's doable, but the contract is certainly attractive enough that maybe a team would bite. Yeah, possibly, but I still think you get more from a, a trade deadline acquisition, teams are going to know where they stand, uh, you know, more or less whether they're going to be pushing for that deep playoff run or or whether they're going to be uh, more sellers uh, like the Jays probably are going to be. But I, you know, the idea of it sounds pretty good. Like theoretically speaking, that is a, a, a good idea to try to trade a, a valuable guy like Smoke right now to get a, a pitching arm to help with these injuries. But it's it's not I don't think it's a very realistic thing just because teams know that you know this is this is the position you're trying to fill maybe we try to lowball you and get pennies on the dollar for a Justin Smoke or you know compared to what you'd be able to get at the at the trade deadline I think it's it's not really I don't think it's really going to be fair to to try to trade him right now and uh you know instead of waiting for the trade deadline because more teams are going to be more teams are going to be looking for a a big hitter if he keeps it up and maybe he loses value right maybe he does go on one of those slumps that we talked about and then he loses value and then hey we get a you know a trash package back but for the team i think it's safer to go in and and give these guys a little bit of time, wait until the trade deadline. And if this guy can keep up, he probably gets more value then than he will now. That's true. And, you know, we're, we're living in a time where baseball teams are so um, unconventional with how they do things in terms of, uh, you know, historically speaking. There are new ways to approach the ball game. So it really wouldn't surprise me if the Blue Jays utilize an opener Right, maybe put out Ryan Tapera to quote unquote start the game, but you know, use him as this this new school opener and just make it a bullpen day. That really wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's it's all what this um, Montoyo guy really likes to do with his pitching. The Rays have had you know very quality pitching over the years, so maybe he's able to you know make up some magic, pull some strings, and get one of these guys to to become uh, a really good or at least quality starting pitcher for this team for, you know, whether it's 10 games or, or 20 games, whatever it takes for for this team to kind of get past this rough patch of injuries with with Sanchez and and obviously Shoemakers, uh, Shoemakers for the season. But hopefully Baraki can come back and do what he did for a couple games at the end of last season and and at least just fill up that, that fifth 
uh, starting spot just to make sure that, you know, they aren't just getting totally run off the field by the time that fifth starter comes around. All right, let's wrap it up here. Let's call it a show. Um, let's let's finish off with predicting the following series as we mentioned they have an off day tomorrow tomorrow being thursday if you're listening to this on thursday then they are off um and then heading into the weekend vladimir guerrero joins the team to face the oakland athletics for three followed by an off day on monday and then three on the road against anaheim let's start with oakland they swept them this past weekend the the hype is going to be real with vlad so maybe this is something that will benefit the team. I'm going to be a little conservative about it. I don't think they're going to sweep again, but I don't think they're going to be bad either. I'm going to say two out of three. Yeah, I'm right there with you. They probably, I hope they feed off the hype on Friday and and the guys get going on Friday night and then they'll probably drop one of those two afternoon games. And then, as I mentioned, they head on the road to Anaheim. Anaheim really hasn't been that good. I know Mike Trout is the talk of the town, but in terms of as a team, they're not awesome. Um, That's kind of to be expected in an Astros-led AL West, but they've dropped um, eight out of the last ten Anaheim has. So this is a, a prime opportunity for the Blue Jays to sort of continue this hot streak, even though they just dropped two in a row. Um, Again, I'm going to say two out of three. Uh, I'm going to go one out of three with this one. Uh, They are in L.A. It might be a little bit of a fun place to be. I know they're playing (laughs) night games, but you never know. That hangover might hit hard one day. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of media attention around uh, around, uh, Vlad Jr. here. Maybe, you know, some some Mike Trout comparisons and all that kind of stuff. So the media might hit them a little harder on that first game on Tuesday and it might impact them a little bit for the rest of the series. So I'm going uh, one out of three on that one. Makes you wonder if anybody's going to really watch that game. Cause you're right. It is a West coast game and these games are starting at 10. I am not going to go anywhere near that, but it makes you wonder <laughs> if the Vlad hype is real. Will people stay up until like what one in the morning to watch Vlad in Anaheim? I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it might depend how the how the games are going. If it's you know a one run game and and Vlad is up you know due up in the ninth, then yeah maybe if you can you know maybe do the math on that one and and try to see when he's going to come up next in the order, you might wait for his last at bat or something. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if I'm going to stay up and watch them. <laughs> you know, Blue Jays in thirty for me on those games probably. Yeah, I have the um the MLB TV app and. That screams condensed game for me. So I'll, yeah. I'll wrap that game up in like eight <laughs> minutes, whatever. Yeah, there it is. All right, dude, you know the deal. Hunter, this is your time to shine. You can promote anything and everything you got going on. As we mentioned, uh, unfortunately, the Leafs dropped their playoff series against Boston, but the Raptors are riding high. Um, they're, they're heading into round two, so I'm sure you got a lot of stuff going on with that. And as we just spoke about, the Blue Jays are you know having an up-and-down season, but there's still a lot to talk about. So anything you got going on, where people can find your Twitter, their show, everything, go for it. Floor is yours. Yeah, guys. So I'll start off with the podcast itself. Uh, you can find us on you know Anchor, Apple, iTunes, wherever you guys really get your podcasts from, wherever you listen. You can search us up, and that is Take 6. The same way that Adam spells South of the Six. It the is cool kids. The cool kids. <laughs> uh, we are channel. We are channeling our inner Drake, and hopefully that doesn't bring on the hated Drake curse uh, to all of the <laughs> Toronto sports teams because we do have that much power, Adam. We do have that much power. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's take six ix take six. That's how you spell it. You can follow us on Twitter at take underscore six. The exact same spelling. Uh, you can also go to take6.org, find some articles. We also post our podcast there. If you if you don't know how to find you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can just go there, listen to our podcast. Uh, we have this new segment, a uh, little article called Six Takes. It's about the six best things or the six takeaways that I have on the week in Toronto sports. This week is going to be a very busy one for us, so go check that out. I post them on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I think that's it. You just dropped a, uh, a Raptors-centered podcast episode, if I'm not mistaken. I did today. I did drop a Raptors podcast with a uh, Sportsnet producer. Uh, he hopped on, Chris Black. It was a very good conversation. He was actually at the game uh, last night, so we did have a, a little talk about that, the environment, 
and then just kind of broke down the series here had answered my questions i answered his questions it's a it was a good it was a good podcast uh not the best sound quality because he was at uh at the jays game getting ready to do his his job so uh yeah it's not not a bad life for him but anyways you can find that on uh itunes apple apple podcast spotify wherever that will be in the docket i will put that in my queue and i highly encourage everyone else to do the same the uh link to that will be in the description of the show along with the website and hunter's twitter so with that dude thanks for hopping on and uh, we'll do this again i'm sure hey as always thank you for having me my man Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.